great to be back to Grace Point again. Thank you so much for the opportunity of coming. Um, as most of you know, I represent Great Commission Media Ministries based in Finland. I'm the U.S. guy for the ministry, and I do have newsletters in the back, so feel free to, to take one as you go. Um, we do three things around the world. We do media evangelism campaigns. We've done 105 cities so far all over the world. The last one was Dar Salaam, Tanzania, just before COVID hit. Um, and uh, amazing response. Very typically, we go into these cities, we gather churches together. We had a thousand churches join us in the Dar Salaam region, and uh, they, they chose 20 to 30 of the best testimonies, life stories from their culture. Then we do 25-minute documentaries on each one of those people's life stories that are camera ready for television, just proclaiming the power of the gospel through their life story. At the bottom of each one is a website and a phone number. The phone number is connected to a call center. We train hundreds of people, some places thousands of people, to staff a call center 24 hours a day, seven days a week during the month long that we have programming on secular television every night as well as radio billboards, newspaper ads, all kinds of advertising for the city. So we kind of blast the city with Jesus for a whole month and uh, do the life stories of people right from within their culture. In, in Dar es Salaam, we had 142,000 people call into our call centers, so the churches were very busy following up on all these people. We do a book for every city. This is one that I did in Dar es in, 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 uh, uh, in uh, South America, um, but, but it's very similar to the books that we use all over the world. It's got uh, uh, life stories in it right from their city, and then very simple evangelism, discipleship materials. So everyone who calls into the call center is followed up live by someone from their part of the city who has been trained to use this book. They come in, they develop a relationship with them, and the goal is, of course, to lead them to Christ. We see many people come to Christ and then enfolded into local churches through that process. It's interesting, in Dar es Salaam, 70% of the people who called into our Carlson centers were Muslim. We never expected that. And uh, just grateful to see what God has done through the lives of so many people. The second part of our ministry is in Russia, uh, where Finland is, uh, has a thousand miles of border with Russia. And... Uh, we did 40 media campaigns in the Russian area. Uh, they, they pretty well pushed us out from doing those, but we're still amazingly able to do literature evangelism in Russia. So we've actually printed 6 million copies of our Russian book. Uh, uh, Andrew Grabovinko, the Pentecostal Bishop of Russia, told us that they've actually seen about a million people come to Christ last few years by using our book as a piece of outreach. So it's been a wonderful thing to see. Just recently, we just printed 200,000 copies of, of, of the Gospel of John. We do Bibles, New Testaments, and the Gospels of John on a regular basis out of this printing company in Siberia that originally only printed communist materials, but now they're printing gospel materials for us. And now we do not know why the 
Russian government has allowed us to continue to do that, but we will do it as long as they let us do it. So praise be to God. The last part of our ministry is our satellite broadcasting that happens every day, COVID or not, every day, every day out of Finland. We're doing programming that's focused significantly into the Islamic world, Arabic, Farsi, Amharic, the language of Ethiopia, um, also Somalian, Tahik, and now I just found out this week, gives me goosebumps, we're actually starting to do programming in the two major languages of Afghanistan. Is that wonderful? Praise be to God. It's a very dark time for Afghanistan right now. Amazingly, satellite television reaches into areas where we could never go as missionaries. I couldn't believe it. You'll see on the video it says over 200,000 responses a month. Well, now, because of COVID, it's actually 300 to 350,000 responses a month. We have offices in Egypt, and they are so busy. We pay for it out of the U.S. part of the ministry. 16 full-time workers, they're working very hard to reach out all over the Middle East. And uh, so, just before I sit down, we're going to show a, a short video. I want us to pray for Afghanistan. Can we do that? Just lift your hands to the Lord. God, this morning, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ in difficult places all over the Right now, we focus on Afghanistan, where Christians are literally having to flee to the mountains so that their lives, their children, their wives will not be killed by the Taliban. I pray for protection upon them in the name of Jesus. I pray, oh God, for American citizens that need to be brought out of the country. I pray for people who are Afghanis who have, who have so graciously served our troops as translators, thousands of them that need to come out of the country. God, we pray that you would mercifully allow them to be released in the name of Jesus. And we pray, we're so grateful that we're sin abounds, grace is much more about, and we pray that the gospel of Jesus Christ would, would flood throughout Afghanistan and throughout all of the Middle East, Lord. And may, may the, the numbers of people that are responding to our ministry just multiply and grow, God, as people are touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. I thank you for the blessing that Grace Point has been to our ministry through all these years. In Jesus' name. Thank you. 
book of Jonah again, Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, he paid the fare, went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Father, man, it is so wonderful for me to be able to be back here at Grace Point again. Privilege, the honor, the responsibility of sharing your word. I pray that this morning, God, your word this morning would bless, encourage, convict, work powerfully in our lives this morning. us, to work in us, to change us, to transform us. Thank you, Lord. God, may this not simply be another message, another word spoken, and we all go out not being changed, but God, may you do something in all of our hearts, including my heart this morning. In Jesus' name. Book of Jonah is an old book. It was written probably somewhere around 785 to 760 BC. So a long time ago. The name Jonah, we don't know too much about this guy. We know his name meant dove. He was the son of Amittai, which doesn't say a whole lot for us. He came from a little village called Gath Heifer, which was about three miles from Nazareth. And his tombstone's still there, by the way, from what I've read. But that's about all we know about this guy, Jonah, except for the fact that many agree that Jonah actually attended the school of the prophets that, that Elisha headed up. And upon graduation, he, he achieved some unusual great national fame by predicting that Jeroboam II, the son of Joash, would be victorious in a war against Syria. You say, my goodness, I didn't know that. Well, here it is. 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 23. In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria, and he reigned 41 years. He did what was evil on the side of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. He restored the border of Israel from uh, from Lebohemath as far as the sea of of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord. Listen to this: the God of Israel, which He spoke by His servant Jonah. So this young guy Jonah is greatly used of God at this point to bring to pass a popular prophetic patriotic, positive, that's a lot of pieces, message. A message that was actually fulfilled. It's one thing to prophesy something. It's another thing to prophesy something that actually comes to pass. 
so it does come to pass. And, and Israel was was victorious over Syria. Uh, the land was recovered, literally to Solomon's kingdom proportions. Commerce is expanded. International trade flourishes. Syria now serves as a, as a buffer for Israel against Assyria, which was the horrible world empire at that point. And Jonah stands in the limelight. This is a beautiful moment for him. He's excited. He's this young prophet that God is greatly using. Uh, and at the same time, interestingly enough, there's other prophets that were bringing a different message. Not of deliverance from Syria, but a warning of destruction that was coming to Israel. A warning that said, turn back to God. A warning that said, difficult times are ahead if you don't turn back to God. And, and, and so people like Joel and, and Amos and Hosea and Micah and even Isaiah, all in that order, began to give messages of warning to Israel, unfortunately. Unfortunately, Israel did not listen and did not repent. But right now, the beginning of this story of Jonah, Israel lives in the glow of victory. It's a wonderful time. They're excited, you know. It's a time of, 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 of prosperity and, and freedom from war, and everything's going wonderful for them. And, and then one day, one day, God speaks again to Jonah. I'm sure Jonah was excited when he recognized that God was speaking to him. Now, we don't know exactly how God spoke to him. Because the scripture doesn't tell us. Was it a dream? Was it a vision? Did God speak audibly to him? Was it, was it through an angel? One thing we know for sure is that God spoke to Jonah in a way that he understood. Aren't you grateful that God knows how to communicate with you? You are not that complex to God. God is able to talk to you in a way that you understand. I love that. It's not like, oh God. How can you talk to me? God, aren't you glad that God can talk to you? And so that you can actually understand the voice of God. Now, now I'm, I'm just going to quickly share this. You know, there's many ways Scripture says that God speaks to people. We see right in the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, very clearly it was God speaking audibly to Adam and Eve. No question about that. In fact, Satan speaks to Eve in, in Genesis chapter 3. He says, did God really speak to you? <laughs> did God really say what he said? So we see it many times. Noah, Abram, Moses, Samuel. You, know, you remember the story of Samuel, the little boy in the temple. Here's this voice. He runs to Eli, and Eli finally figures it out that this was God speaking to him. He said, okay, just, just say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Can we say that this morning? Can you just open your hands to the Lord and say, speak, Lord. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. I would encourage you to do that regularly. I would encourage you to do that every day. God, speak to me. Speak to me. Because I'm listening. I'm aware. I'm sensitive to your voice. So, so God God does speak audibly. We see it in, in the life of Mary, of course, in Luke chapter 1, where she was visited by an angel. Anybody here ever 
He speaks to us in many, many different ways through the Word of God. Jesus speaks to us. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. He speaks audibly sometimes. Well, we don't know how God spoke exactly to Jonah, probably audibly, but we're not sure. But 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 we know for sure that Jonah heard the voice of God very clearly, and he didn't like what he heard. <laughs> I'm sure at first he was excited. Oh, God is speaking to me again. I've got another prophetic, powerful, patriotic message that I'm going to give to Israel. No, no. God had a different word for him. He was shocked. Arise and go to Nineveh. You've got to be kidding me. That that couldn't be. That couldn't be God. I, I rebuke that. That that couldn't be the word word of God. God. God would never want me to go to Nineveh, of all places, Nineveh. This city that was one of the oldest cities in the world, built built by Nimrod, one of the Noah's great great grandson. Genesis chapter ten, probably built in about eighteen hundred BC. The city that was at the time of of Jonah about a city of about one hundred twenty thousand people. The capital of the Assyrian Empire that had ruled the world from 885 to 665 BC. So at this point, Assyria had ruled the world for a hundred years, and, and their rulership had been horrific. Horrific. Eventually, Israel was actually defeated by the Assyrian Empire. They were brutal. Interestingly enough, many, many cities chose suicide over surrender because they were so brutal. I mean, they, they, they would take sticks and they would, they would put stakes through people and, and, and slay them alive. They, they would have parents watch their children buried alive. They would, they, would, they would cut off people's lips and ears and hands and tongues. I mean, they were as, as bad as you could think. And here Jonah says, this could not be the voice of God asking me to go to them and bring warning to them. How could God do that? God anywhere, but not in heaven. one thing to hear the voice of God. It's another thing to say yes to the voice of God. Amen? Sometimes we we only think God speaks to us this flowery, prophetic things that make us feel good. Sometimes God gives us a, a Nineveh word. <laughs> a word that we're really not wanting to hear. You know, there's there's there, there's this sense in all of us where where you know we don't actually say it, but but we kind of feel like God we're kind of special to God, you know. That God maybe loves us a little bit better than He loves other people, especially you know the Taliban, right? God, how many think God loves you? This natural is breathing for all of us. It's called prejudice. <laughs> so what does Jonah do? He says, I'm not going. And he runs. The scripture in 1 
verse 3 says, so, so Jonah rose to flee. It means to run like you're being chased. To flee to Joppa. Joppa was on the coast. He had a goal. I'm leaving the country. I'm getting out of here. I'm not going. I'm not going to Nineveh. And interestingly enough, it's the same city. It's the same city that Peter was in when Jesus confronts him about his pre- prejudice about bringing the gospel to the Gentile world. And here, Jonah, all these years before, experienced exactly the same thing in the same city, experienced prejudice against bringing the gospel to the Gentile world. Human prejudice is as natural as breathing, isn't it, for, for all of us? It's hard for us to deal with that. said, stop, don't do it. There's so much to live for. He said, like what? I said, well, are you religious or atheist? He said, religious. I said, me too. Are you Christian or Buddhist? He said, Christian. I said, me too. Are you Catholic or Protestant? He said, Protestant. I said, me too. Are you Episcopalian or or, or Baptist? He said, Baptist. I said, wow, me too. Are you Baptist Church of God or Baptist Church of the Lord? He said, Baptist Church of God. I said, me too. Are you original Baptist Church of God or Reformed Baptist Church of God? He said, Reformed Baptist Church of God. I said, me too. Are you Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation of 1879 or Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation of 1915? He said, Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation of 1915. So I said, die, heretic scum, and I pushed him off the bridge. <laughs> Twisted humor, yeah. That's how he felt. Die here, dick scum. Nineveh. I'm not going. I'm not doing this. So, Jonah had an itinerary choice. It was Tarshish. Nineveh was 500 miles in one direction northeast of Israel. Tarshish was 2,000 miles in the opposite direction. Most think it was what would be now known as Spain. At that point, the furthest outpost possible that you could ever go. Eugene Peterson, a great writer, said this concerning Jonah and Tarshish. Why Tarshish? Exotic, exciting, and adventure. Solomon's fleets went there for gold and ivory and monkeys and peacocks. In Tarshish, you could have a religious career without having to deal with God. I thought that was a great, that was a great line. You could have a religious career without having to deal with God. So Jonah is attempting to flee from God himself. We know that's not possible. Psalm 139 makes that clear. So he goes, he goes to the city, and voila, there he is, a ship there, leaving for of all places, Tarshish. This must be God, right? There is the deception of positive circumstances that contradict, that contradict 
the word and the will of God, and that's exactly what. Don't don't believe every positive circumstance. Here it was positive, but totally out of the will of God. So he gets on board. She's relieved. He's tired. Goes down. Goes to sleep. What does God do? Does God say, "Have a good trip, good riddance. You're out of here. I'll use somebody else." No, he lovingly pursues Jonah. Jonah's rebellion was more than matched by the power of God to fulfill his rebellion. Jonah was going to have to climb over the mountains of God's mercy. Maybe you've got somebody in your life right now that is living in rebellion against God. If you do, would you just stand? I want to pray for you and them. If you've got somebody in your life right now that is in rebellion against God, just stand. I want to pray for them. You can pray for them by name. I don't know them by name, but you do. I'm standing for the ones that I'm praying for. <laughs> you know, wonderful that we can do this. <laughs> they will have to climb over the mountains of God's mercy to continue to walk in rebellion against God. Lord, we stand together right now in the name of Jesus. And I agree in prayer. And I pray with these people what I pray every day for these 12 guys that I pray for every day. And I pray, God, what's found in the book of Acts where, where Jesus, you spoke to, to Paul and you said that, that, that he, was, he, he was called to open people's eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, to turn them from the power of Satan to the power of God. So that they might believe. And God, we pray for everyone represented here. God, open their eyes. Turn them from darkness to light. Turn them from the power of Satan to the power of God. Rip away deception today in the name of Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God, may your mercy be poured out upon them, even in the midst of their rebellion, in the name of Jesus. As you confronted Jonah, may you confront them by your mercy. And we will give you all the praise. Would you give the Lord a clap offering this morning? Lord, we thank you for that today, in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Amen. You may be seated, and I'm almost done. Everybody said amen to that, right? Okay, so here we are. Okay. So... So there's this, he's on board boat. And there are, of all things, on this Sunday, as I'm preaching this, there is a hurricane. <laughs> Believe it or not, this was a storm. And in my research before I knew we were going to be experiencing a hurricane on the East Coast, uh, that's what I discovered this was. This was a hurricane. God sent it on purpose. I'm not saying that God sent the one on the East Coast on purpose, but God sent the one to Jonah on purpose. He sound asleep. And, and, and there's these, these precious, kind sailors on board. And they begin to talk amongst themselves. What's going on here? What, why? This is so unusual. Why are we experiencing the wrong time of year for, for a hurricane? Why are we experiencing a hurricane right now? And they wake up. Jonah, 
Jonah comes clean with them, he tells them the whole story, what happened. And it must have been when Jonah woke up, God spoke to him again. Because what, what Jonah told them to do doesn't make any sense. Jonah said, throw me overboard, and the storm will stop. That had to be the voice of God speaking to Jonah at that moment. And so that's exactly, the, the guys didn't want to do it, but eventually, you know, uh, they, they didn't know what else to do, so they eventually throw, throw this guy overboard, Jonah overboard. And we don't know what it was, but it was probably a great white whale. And Jonah's now in the belly of this big fish. It's 98.6 degrees. There's gastric juices there. There's seaweed. There's dead fish in there. You can imagine how horrific, how horrific it is. No wonder Jonah said, as he's down there, my life was fainting when I remembered the Lord. Well, I guess what? Of course. He remembers the Lord in the midst of this horrible, horrible experience. Sometimes God allows people to go through horrible experiences so that they'll come back. Try to shield people from horrible experiences. Sometimes they need that. Sometimes there's all colors and stuff. Sometimes that's exactly what they need so that they'll come back. Amen. We know the rest of the story. What? Why didn't God choose somebody else? Well, he had concern for Nineveh. But, but he also had concern for Jonah. Aren't you glad that God is not only concerned with the big picture, but the individual? He's concerned about your life, my life. He's concerned about where you're at, where I'm at. I want to close this morning by just talking to a couple of you, a few of you, maybe one of you, maybe a lot. was the answer. And you've discovered it's not the answer at all. You've been going the wrong direction. Maybe you feel in your heart it's too late. <laughs> I've gone too far. There's no way back. <laughs> I'm here to tell you it's not true. God is drawing you this morning. By his Holy Spirit, he's saying to you, come on, come on back. When I was a young man a long time ago, <laughs> I said, do that. This is a long, long, long time ago. I'd given my life to Christ as a little boy. But now I, I was older, driving on my own. I was still going to church, but I was living a double life. I was in church on Wednesday night. Back then, we had Sunday night services too, and and I was I was I was sitting in the balcony at Philadelphia Church, my old church in Seattle, where many years after that I actually pastored that church for some eleven years. And 
buddies are there, and we all got cars, and we're going to go out afterwards, and we had our own plans. had nothing to do with God. Forgive me 
God is good. He loves all of us. And he loves it when people come home. So let me say as I've done this morning, welcome home.